What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. And this week, I've got Kirsten Ross on the show with me from Crowdfunding Uncut. And we're talking about what else but crowdfunding. So crowdfunding is a topic we haven't talked about so far in all of the episodes of the podcast. But what I loved about this conversation with Kirsten is that you normally think of crowdfunding like on Kickstarter as something for a physical product. Like if you wanted to produce a new type of healthy granola or a yoga mat or whatever physical product you wanted to create. But as you'll hear from Kirsten, you can actually use crowdfunding to launch any type of project. So whether you want to create a film or an app or write a book or anything else, really, you can leverage the power and the buzz that you can build around crowdfunding to get an audience and even to get some money to launch your product. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. And even if you aren't thinking you're going to crowdfund something right now, what we're talking about in terms of launching and building buzz and specifically how to build an audience quickly That is so relevant for anything that you're doing online for your business. So if you're a regular listener, you'll definitely hear some commonalities and some trends across this interview with others because it's like these are basic marketing principles. And I love that Kirsten shares like the quickest way to build an audience from her perspective, which is really awesome. So you're totally going to love it. Anyway, let's just jump right into this interview with Kirsten Ross. Hey, Kirsten, thanks for joining me on the show today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. So people don't know this, but as I'm starting the interview with the guests, I always say something like, now don't worry if like your dog runs into the room and starts barking because this is totally edited. So we'll edit it out and it will sound great. And you said, well, I'm glad you said that because this is my first podcast with a new puppy. So tell us, (laughs) what is your new puppy? Yeah, I don't want to say he was an impulse buy because I've wanted a dog for years, but I went out to the country to visit my parents this weekend and I was just like, let's go look at puppies on Craigslist. And there was this beautiful breed of bull mastiffs, which are like American bulldog crossed with a mastiff. And I'm like, oh, they don't look too big. Yeah, right. They're huge. But um, I went to the breeder to have a look at them and I fell in love with one and I took him home about three days ago and it's been... It's like having a child around. He, he's just following him around with like, you know, the puppy, puppy cloths and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so cute. Have fun. That's like, yeah. yeah, so amazing. Anyway, that's not why we had you on, but I just thought that was so cute that you just got a puppy. <laughs> um, so we met, we've met a couple of times, actually. We met two years ago in the Philippines at an event. And when we saw each other again this year, I thought, oh my gosh, you just have to come on the podcast to talk about your area of expertise, which is crowdfunding. It's a topic we've never talked about here on the Wellpreneur podcast before. And what I'm interested to talk to you about is like all the potential for raising money through crowdfunding for physical products and otherwise. So could you start us off by just 
if somebody didn't know what crowdfunding was, like when you're at a party, you know, and you're talking to, or you're like, you're talking to your, like your parents or something, like, how do you explain what crowdfunding is? Yeah. I find that there's, so, if you dive into the world of crowdfunding, there's many different types, but I specialize in like the Kickstarter and Indiegogo platforms. So if you are an entrepreneur or someone that is looking to raise money for an initiative, like you need five grand to finish your film production or something like that, or you have a physical product. What it allows you to do is like, if I have a guitar amplifier, we'll say that I've invented and I really need the capital to be able to manufacture that and fulfill it. But I know after looking into the process that I need a lot of capital to do that. And if I don't necessarily want to go for like angel investors right now, or remortgage my house, what crowdfunding allows you to do. So like I do mostly physical products, but if I have this guitar amplifier and I have this prototype, I want to create a marketing campaign on kickstarter.com and it will allow me 30 to 60 days to raise money to bring my project to life. So we go into this platform to say, okay, I need $50,000 to manufacture and fulfill this product. And when we put up a marketing campaign, we build up awareness for it. And when people actually go to our page that's live on Kickstarter, they're able to pre-order the product. And with them pre-ordering the product, they understand that they're not going to get it for six to 12 months. But in exchange for the pre-orders, that's what helps fund bringing the project to life. So it's like crowdfunding is an amazing funding alternative for people that don't necessarily want to give up equity in their company, or they have some investors that are like, oh, I just need you to prove to me that this thing can sell. So it's also another great way to validate your product. So that's one thing. Or I find too, like I worked with Founder Magazine, uh, Nathan Chan, and while they already had a, a business that was that's making money every single month, someone like Nathan, who already has a successful company, he wanted to use crowdfunding as a way to validate and build up a new audience to bring a a completely new project to life without having to just rely on his own. So it's another great way to like amplify your sales with new product lines and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. I know I just love to go on Kickstarter in general and look around at all the projects everybody's working on. Um, And my husband and I fund quite a few of them just because it's so cool to feel like you're like somebody has this idea and you're helping them to make it a reality. And then you get to be an early adopter. Like you get to be one of the first people that has it. So I think from both perspectives, like it's super fun as a user as well. Oh, it so is. And I mean, I think that people, when they talk to me, when they, and I'm their first impression of Kickstarter, they may think, okay, well, I don't have a cool tech gadget, but Kickstarter and Indiegogo are not just about physical products. There's a whole bunch of other things. It's just, they were started for entrepreneurs that had ideas that they needed money for, like a film, I need 10 grand to produce this. So they're going to create a marketing campaign around that and then raise $10,000 to be able to fulfill that project, right? Awesome. So you can do it for things other than physical products, like a film or I guess writing a book or doing any sort of An app, physical, yeah, an app, uh, digital products are good too. Yeah, there's a lot of different things you could do it for. Ultimately, I think your success comes down to, do you have something that people want to help support you with? 
or physical product? Do you have something people want? And also, do you have the audience or are you willing to put your nose down to the grindstone to find people who are willing to help you make this project a reality? Mm -hmm. So I've seen with obviously physical products, like people need a lot of capital and a lot of money up front to get to produce the product, right? But with I've seen some people use Kickstarter for things like launching a book or writing a book. And I'm curious your opinion on this. So in a couple of cases, I've seen people try to get money to write their book, but actually knowing a bit about that person, like the amount of money they were asking for, I don't think they really needed it. Like, I don't think they really needed 10 grand to write their book. Like, I think they could probably have funded that themselves. And so is there an element to it too? It's like building buzz, right? It's like a concentrated marketing campaign. Yeah, I find that the platform and what people are using it for is definitely changing. Kickstarter, the whole concept's been around for 10 years, 10 or nine years right now. But it started off as a way for people just starting out who needed money for the to get the world to help fund their dream, right? That was its whole thing. But as people like brands or necess- other um, established businesses that don't necessarily need the capital, they decide to continue or go on Kickstarter or continue to use Kickstarter for different buzz building related things. Like take an example, we have John Lee Dumas from Freedom Journal and Entrepreneur on Fire. He is a guy on his Kickstarter video who will go on and say like, I've made multiple millions of dollars, which means if you look at that, you're like, okay, well, you don't need the capital yet. You go on to raise $600,000 for your, your journal. And so while he is someone who already has a massive following and a successful business, why is he using Kickstarter? Well, he's using Kickstarter as a way to amplify his current audience and create buzz around a product because a Kickstarter campaign, if done properly, is a chance. It's a big event. It's like a grand store opening and it's something that people want to talk about. And so creating buzz like that around your product, it goes a lot larger if you have a current audience to do it on a platform like Kickstarter versus just keeping it a private launch like some of us internet marketers might. You know, totally. So I think basically that opens up a lot of potential for anybody listening. Like if you have an idea for a project that you want to build a lot of buzz about and could actually use some funding for, I think even if it's not a physical product, like Kickstarter could definitely be a viable option or crowdfunding could be a viable option. So let's talk about is it seems like that the marketing is the big thing. Like what I've seen on Kickstarter is so much of it like comes down to the video that you have, like the video talking about your project, right? So can you kind of give us a, like what what are the big things we should be thinking about if we want to try a crowdfunding campaign? Okay, the very first thing is you want to make sure you have something people are going to buy. I assume that if you're not selling a luxury item and if it's something like, if it's a book that is legitimately going to help people or people are going to buy or a product that solves a need in someone's life or a big pain point, you want to validate and make sure that people are going to buy it first or else you're just wasting your time. So that's step one is intention to buy, make sure that's there. But assuming there is and assuming people are like, this is a really cool thing, you should pursue the project. The next step, what you want to do is there's a big misconception on these platforms like Indiegogo, Kickstarter, that because they have this huge global audience that all you have to do is launch your project and it's going to be successful. Even if you have the coolest project ever, you're going to restrict the amount of money you can raise or how successful you can be by not coming into it with your own audience. And the reason that works is because Kickstarter and Indiegogo take a 5% commission for every dollar that that you raise on their platform. 
And so that means that they, if they have a vested interest in your success, when you go to kickstarter.com and see all these successful projects in the trending section, in the popular sections, they're getting a lot of love from the like the crowdfunding community. But what you don't see are the hundreds of other projects that get they they never see the light of day. And so what you want is you want your campaign to be in that trending section or make front page or top of category or something like that so that it actually gets the traffic that Kickstarter and Indiegogo can bring. But the only way for you to do that is to come in, launch your project with your own audience and have an influx of sales that you've personally helped bring to the table. And then once Kickstarter knows that you're successful, that's when they're going to start boosting you on their website. It's oh, a popularity algorithm. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's a popularity like, algorithm. It's so. like, you know, when I launched my book on Amazon, it was very similar. Like, you want to bring enough of your own audience to do all those pre-orders and reviews and buy it so that then it starts to show up and Amazon will start to feature it. So it's, it seems, sounds like a very similar system here. Exactly. Or else you just sink. And, and so it's a way for you to stand out above the noise. And so that's what it comes down to is A, validation, B, have an audience that of people that are like, you know, raving fans that want to buy your product or support your cause. And the third one is just having a great Kickstarter page, which will include the video sales copy and good pricing packages. Mm -hmm. So much of everything you do online is about building an audience. Like this comes up over and over and over. Anybody that's a regular listener will (laughs) be very familiar with this (laughs) idea, but it's like anything that you want to do, you want to launch a Kickstarter, you want to launch a book, you want to like grow your email list, you want to launch your own product, you need people. So how do you recommend, I'm just curious from your perspective, because you tend to work with people selling physical products. Do Mm -hmm. most of those entrepreneurs that come to you already have a platform and an audience? Or is that something they start building before the Kickstarter? Or how how does that work? I I would say of the projects I work with, about 25% already are coming in with some sort of an audience, but majority of them are like fresh off the boat, zero audience. And they're like, great, I have this cool product. I need you to help me build this audience now. Okay, so So. I want to talk about this because this, I have to say like with my coaching clients, this comes up like over and over and over and people are like, what's the fastest way to build an audience? So what do you recommend for your clients? If you have money to spend, Facebook ads is the fastest way to do it. If Facebook ads to a landing page and landing page has some cool offer. It, it's like a sneak preview of your launch or your product that you're doing. And then you offer some cool opt-in incentive, be it like a discount on launch, behind the scenes access, or you can do like a PDF for like a lead magnet in exchange. And because you're offering them like that behind the scenes early adopter thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the fastest way to do it. Secondly, is if you have something that's newsworthy, I know like I built my audience from like without spending a dollar on ads, but my audience is slightly different to Kickstarter because my audience are people like you who want to learn how to use Kickstarter and the strategy behind it. So I built my audience strictly from doing it like interviews like this, getting on podcasts, guest posting and stuff like that. So if you're on a limited budget and you don't want to go crazy with like spending 5K on Facebook advertising, then another way, if you have something that you could talk about or contribute to the world, go the like leverage someone else's audience. And so whatever channels you can get onto for podcasts, guest posts, being a contributor on Huffington Post or different things like that, or even blogging on medium.com where there's already this like established audience is going to help like quicken the pace. Cause I find that 
if you're playing the long game, like the long content game where you're blogging every single day, it's going to take a very long time to build that audience. But if you can just look for the highest leverage activities of what you can do and how you can get your thing in front of other people, those are going to be the best ways Mm -hmm. to do it quickly. I totally agree. I pretty much always recommend that find other people, people's audiences route, because then you've already got an engaged audience that you can just tap into, which is so much faster than trying to build it yourself just by blogging, like you said. Exactly. I'm, I'm curious about the Facebook ads, though, because I know they work really well for some people. But I've also seen, and obviously this is not for crowdfunding, but just when I've seen people try to use Facebook ads to build their lists, I've seen people spend a lot of money and end up with a list that isn't very responsive. And maybe they were targeting too broadly or something. But I'm just curious. I don't want to go into this too deeply, but do you have any like tips on how do you get the right people when you're doing Facebook ads? Yeah, this is this wouldn't have been my answer a few months ago, but I'm wondering, like, it could be two things. It could be what are you getting them to opt in for, for one, but just assume that you're getting the people that you want. I'm wondering what's happening once they opt in. Because I've I've noticed that you could get the right people or you have the right offer because they're opting in. But like, what does your content strategy look like? Like, do they get a welcome email or an indoctrination sequence like Russell Brunson likes to talk about to like get them really hyped up and educated on your brand and like engaging with them? Is there, I wonder what that looks like behind the scenes because I found that your email list can be super quiet. But if you get them into, say, a Facebook group, all of a sudden, they're like way more engaged. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious from your experience helping so many people run successful Kickstarter campaigns, what are some of the mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making over and over when they're trying to build buzz around their project? Oh, man, we can talk for hours about this. Don't underestimate your audience is one. But Okay, I want to use something maybe that's not super intuitive. Okay, when you launch your Kickstarter, you have one chance to get it right or else you're looking at pulling your campaign and relaunching if you didn't get the buzz that you wanted. And because you... The reason I say this is when you launch and if you get if you don't get the momentum of sales from your list that you wanted, that's going to... The first two days are going to set the bar for how much you can raise for the rest of the campaign. So you really have a short window to be successful. In saying that, if you don't have the audience or the engagement strategy right to get people super amped up and ready to go and have the right early bird packages on to like so that people want to jump on it early, that's one thing. But the other thing I find is that we make so many assumptions when we launch that the price is right, that the features we chose to make prominent are the right ones to go with or the book cover we choose to launch with is going to be what resonates with people. We make so many assumptions based on what we think will resonate that if you launch and people aren't buying, you're like, crap, what happened? And it could be anything. If people don't buy, you could have done the pre-launch perfectly. But if people don't buy and then you go and survey your audience later and they're like, the price was just ridiculous. I find that if you you can actually jump on these landmines early by looking at where your campaign can fail, if it's like, okay, people might be too price sensitive or the packaging isn't right or different things or the feature we chose to make prominent, they don't give, they just don't care about. So I actually recommend that you survey your audience or have these conversations before launch to not only like validate your product, but just make sure that the offer that you're put out there is exactly what they want. 
And that's like the hidden killer that not a lot of people do. That's actually saved us a, a lot in the past. So I would say definitely do that. So and how do you how do you do that? How do you recommend validating before you launch your do your big launch? But there's a couple ways. Like you could do the good old customer interviews, right? Love those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, customer <laughs> interviews. Ah, oh, they're so tedious, but they give you the best information. So I would do customer interviews for one. Number two, I like surveys. So if you have an audience, survey your audience and see what they want. Or if you have no audience, what I would do is you can use Facebook ads with a budget of like one to two hundred dollars to drive traffic to a survey and see what like, you know, I'll leave it under 10 questions. But the bait for the survey is something like, you know, fill this out and enter to win a $50 Amazon gift card or something like that, or $50 towards your product when you launch probably be something better. But you can see what kind of responses people give you to certain questions to make sure that the pain is large enough. And you can ask them straight up, like, this is the product we're looking to launch. Is this something you would pay for? If so, how much would you pay for this? Mm -hmm. But then once you actually have an audience and you're about a month away from launch, I would recommend sending out another survey to your actual backer or to your actual list and say, hey, guys, we just want to make sure that we got this right. So can you take a minute to fill out these five questions? How out of 10, how important is this feature to you? How much would you pay for this product? Just things like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So So that you really figure out what is it that people want? I mean, I've found, I've done some surveys and I've I've done so many market research interviews. And I tend to find like, if you're just getting started, I think market research interviews are probably better because it's hard to get any results unless you have enough people taking your survey, right? Although I guess you said you could run Facebook ads to get people cold traffic. Yeah, there's that too. Or there's another um, really cool article I came across with um, Kettle and Fire. They're a bone broth subscription company. And the guy, he actually chose to validate his idea before he went out and ordered a bunch of bone broth to do this. What he did was he put up a landing page with a buy now button, some product information, made it look really good. And then he drove some some ads to the page to see if anyone would actually buy. So he spent less than $100. He got four orders the first time, which was validation enough for him that he knew people would buy this. And then he, you know, he refunded the money and whatever. But that's another really cheap way to do it is just, is are people going to buy this? Let's test. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's thinking about doing a crowdfunding campaign, I mean, how much work is it? Is it something they can do on their own? How many, what kind of skills do they need to do a campaign like this? I think if you're looking at doing a small campaign, and by small, I mean like two to $5,000, typically I don't recommend you do this on your own. Just looking at the amount of work that you will wish you had done. Like if you're one person, you will need to be there to pitch and constantly look for more ways to drive sales to your campaign. But you can't do that if you're stuck in your inbox dealing with customer questions, mm-hmm. right? I love having a team because that is a great way to not only leverage your time, but also leverage your skills set with making sure, like, for example, I am really bad at making videos. I'm good at, at writing scripts, but doing the video, I'm doing my clients a disservice if I'm trying to do this myself. So I want to leverage the talents of other people to get the best of both worlds if we can. And if you're like, of course, the size of your team and the skills that you bring on do depend on your budget and your goals. But typically, at the very least, if you're doing something small scale, I recommend you have an assistant or an intern to help you with the little lower level tasks so that you can focus on higher level things. Mm -hmm. 
Totally. So what about you and how do you work with clients? You, you work on pretty big projects, I think. Yeah, I have a couple ways that I work with people. At my highest end, I will work with you to basically take over your product and launch it. So we, we're like the co-founding team that comes in to make this thing a reality for you. So in there, we will do the audience building, we'll do the landing page creation and the copy. Some clients just want me on a one-on-one advisory where I tell them what to do and then they have a team that already goes and does it. So that's a more like tailored service depending on what you're coming in with. Or if you are a creator that's looking to do a lower level project and you just want a bit of guidance, I do have a monthly membership, uh, the Crowdfunding Product Launch Academy that we have people coming in at. It's like $47 a month. And that's just for if you just want that support on your shoulder, but you don't need the full on service. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Thank you. So totally random question. What are a couple of your favorite podcasts? Oh, okay. This is gonna sound terrible because I don't, I'm not a big podcast listener, but But you have a podcast. I I know. I know. (laughs) It's weird. Okay. That's fine. But However, I would say I do have a, a couple that I've listened to and I really like. I like the Solopreneur Hour with Michael O'Neill. That's fantastic. And when I listened, I mean, I'll listen to about a third of a Tim Ferriss interview, but I really like his stuff. Mm-hmm. But I listen to podcasts when I'm on my bike, but I stopped doing that because I'm training like I'm a triathlete. So when I train, I sometimes just get, I get my best business ideas when I'm on my bike and listening to podcasts, it doesn't help with that. So I almost want to like limit that yep. time because then I have to like get off the bike. Like I've, I've gotten off my bike and bought domain names before. And I'm like, this is my training time, not my work time. So I try to like, that's not a good excuse because it's, they're inspiring. No, it totally, whatever, but it like, totally makes sense though, <laughs> because I noticed like I go through waves of like consuming and then producing. And so sometimes I'll binge on like all these podcasts and listen to so many of them. And then like, like right now I'm in a, a period where I don't listen to many actually because I'm just focusing on my own stuff. But then it will swing back and I'll listen to a lot again. So, it, you know, I totally get it. It makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like I'm on a, a bit of a content purge, I think, because I, I just want to stay super focused on my plan in front of me right now. And I know if I start, it's like going to a conference. You go mm-hmm. to a conference, you get this genius idea and then it's like this tangent that you go on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I can resonate with that for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been like really inspiring. And I think we've never talked about a topic like this. And hopefully it'll inspire a few people out there to look at crowdfunding as a way to launch their projects. So Kirsten, let people know where they can find you if they want to get in touch or learn more about what you do. So just because I do physical products, there's still a freebie that I have. It's a physical product launch checklist that has a lot of relevancy to just a product launch in general and how to apply that before launch. So if you want to pick that up, it's crowdfundinguncut.com, U-N-C-U-T. And it's a crowdfunding physical product launch checklist, but it like it maps out, it's a 10-page guide on like six months before launch, five months, four months, exactly what you need to be doing just to help keep you on track. So I'd say definitely start there. That's a good place to see, um, A, what is the time commitment involved, but also, hey, if I'm thinking about crowdfunding, what does this look like? Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Kirsten. It was really great talking to you. Yeah, so great catching up with you too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget to come over and join us in the Wellpreneur community on Facebook. 
You just go to Facebook, type Wellpreneur Community, and then you can join us. There's over 2,000 Wellpreneurs, many of them podcast listeners in that group. And we're all chatting about the episodes and challenges in our business and our new favorite tools and, and what's working for us right now. We'd love to have you there. So come over to the Wellpreneur Community group on Facebook, and I'd love to connect with you there. So have a fantastic week, and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode. Bye.